0: As an only child, sibling rivalry was a foreign concept, so it's been interesting to see my kids engage in occasional moments of this kind of behavior, like squabbling over who took whose pencil lead, arguing about the fairness of chore distribution, or sneaky attempts to gain favor with the dog using treats. Much of it is pretty exasperating to watch, but there are also times when the little one takes the older one's lead and tries to emulate his behavior, like wanting to have the same teachers he had or go to the same middle school, or get better grades. In music too, having aspirational role models to emulate or rival musicians of similar ability to motivate you to work harder can often be invaluable. Or is it better to simply avoid comparing yourself to others around you? Researchers at Columbia and NYU were curious to see what kind of effect rivalries might have on teams' performances from one season to the next so they analyzed 34 seasons' worth of NCAA tournaments and the performance of 73 teams representing six major conferences during these years. Rivals were determined by surveying sports writers at the student newspapers of all 73 teams and asking them to rate the intensity of the rivalry between their home team and each of the other teams in the conference on a scale of 0, meaning not a rival, to 10, equaling fierce rival. Then they looked at how well each team's rival did in the NCAA tournament the previous year, and whether there is any effect on how well the team did the following year. Lo and behold, the tournament performance of a team's rival in one year predicted how well the team would do in the tournament the next year. And there is a particularly strong bump in performance the next year if one's rival went all the way and won the tournament the prior year. Meaning, if you want your hometown team to do well next year, And they've already been eliminated from the tournament, you might consider rooting for your team's most hated rivals instead of yelling at them on TV and sending them all your bad vibes. And just so you know, this phenomenon wasn't limited to just college basketball. The researchers found the same effect in the NBA, NFL, NHL, and Major League Baseball as well. So it seems that having a rival can sometimes be a positive source of motivation and prompt you to work harder to improve your skills And performance over the course of many weeks and months. But then again, rivalries may not always be such a positive thing, too. A recent study found that in some contexts, a competitive mindset can actually lead to self-sabotage. How exactly? Well, about 200 undergraduate and graduate students were recruited to participate in a verbal creativity task. When arriving at the lab, students were told that they'd be paired up with another student for some parts of the task. They were given the gender, age, and initials of this fake partner, and to really sell this cover story, students even exchanged a quick message with their supposed partner and received a short scripted response back. Then it was time to begin the task. A task that was essentially just like Scrabble, where they were given a string of letters and had to make as many words as they could with those letters. Like making the word rash or salt from a string of letters, including R S L A L H T. They were told that there would be five rounds and that they'd win an Amazon gift card if they accumulated 100 or more points. And the scoring was such that the other students' performance had no effect on the student's score. But after one, two, three, or four rounds, depending on what group they were in, participants were informed that they had earned 22, 42, 62, or 82 points. Meanwhile, they are told the other student had earned 25, 45, 65, or 85 points. After receiving their score, participants were told that their role would change, that they were assigned to the role of chooser, while their partner would be the receiver, meaning they could select what letter string their partner would receive. These letter string choices were accompanied by a difficulty rating and the participants were reminded that their partner would do better if they selected an easier letter string. They were also told that their own letter string would be selected at random by a computer, so there was no chance of their partner getting back at them for giving them a difficult letter string. Then finally, they received their letters, and were told that they could spend as much time as they wanted to generate as many words and points as possible. So what happened? Well, two interesting things happened. For one, Students tended to sabotage their partner by choosing the most difficult letter strings for them to work with, which is kind of petty when you think about it because how well or poorly their partner did on the task had no impact on their performance and their score or whether they would be able to win a gift card. But more interestingly, those who gave their partner a harder letter string tended to coast, meaning they put out less effort on their own final task and didn't try as hard to generate words and points. Why is this? Well, the researchers think that as participants got closer to their goal, their competitive side came out and they started focusing less on what they needed to do to win the gift card and started paying more attention to where they stood relative to their partner, which led them to take their focus off the true goal of 100 points, led to greater confidence in their performance relative to their partner, and ended up diminishing their motivation to work as hard, perhaps out of this sense of overconfidence which seems to speak to the importance of focusing less on how others sound and more on your own process, your own progress, and goals as you get closer to the day of a competition or audition. But then again, these were strangers. Would the same kind of sabotage and self-sabotage happen if you were training with a trusted training buddy? A 2006 study looked at something along these lines that might give us some clues. The researchers assembled teams that would play a military-like strategy game in which they had to prevent enemy forces from moving into restricted areas, but allow friendly forces to move freely. The challenge, though, was that each individual's radar did not cover the entire area, so players would either have to coordinate and share information with their teammates, or waste time going through a longer process to find the information out themselves. Some of the teams were told that if they were one of the top-performing teams overall, that they would win a cash prize, split equally amongst each other. This was a cooperation group. While other teams, on the other hand, were told that to win a cash prize, they would have to be one of the top-performing individuals in the experiment, which essentially required sabotaging one's teammates. This was a competition group. There were two rounds, where some teams engaged in the cooperative reward structure first, followed by the competitive one, while some engaged in competition first, and then the cooperative reward structure. As it turns out, the teams that started out cooperating first were able to transition to the competitive mode and still perform well as a team. But the teams that started out in competitive mode first struggled to transition to cooperation mode and perform more poorly. So, at the end of the day, it does seem that training with a trusted colleague or practice buddy with whom there is a history of collaboration could help to minimize or prevent the kind of self-sabotage observed in the previous study, and provide you with someone to help motivate you to grow and learn and reach for greater heights from one year to the next. You can find links to this week's study and other resources like practice hacks and the audition cheat sheet at bulletproofmusician.com blog. And if you found the episode helpful, please share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think might also enjoy experimenting with this during the coming week.